This is Paul Nobles from Agent Form, and I am here with our lifetime clients, and we're going to go over a little bit of what the long term looks like and specifically focus on bodybuilding and why that's important and why it's a lot different than you might think of it. You know, I think a lot of people look at bodybuilding from the standpoint of, you know, the the steroids folks, you know, and and super abbed up and, and things of this nature. And even even people within the bodybuilding physique community often don't understand bodybuilding in the way that that I would argue is the best way to do it. So we'll get into that. But once again, I am here with Carolyn Melee. Carolyn's one of the lead coaches here at Eat Reform. And then Becky Avara is also on the line. She is the director of coaching here at Eat Reform. And yeah, so uh, if there's, we'll try to address any questions. If you want to get those in early, that way we'll know whether we could kind of cut the bodybuilding uh, part short or not. And uh, if we can't, you know, answer them publicly, Becky will go in and, and address it. But yeah, so um, the big thing I think that we need to kind of get off the plate uh, just from a housekeeping standpoint is that we do have Eat Form Health is coming. We kind of quiz people about it who was interested um, just to see kind of the overall level of interest. Basically what Eat Form Health is, is sort of got distracted when we were having the discussion, but just from a simplistic standpoint, it's basically going to allow you to have access to your blood work and get a consultation related to your blood work. And then in that consultation, there'll be, you know, discussions of natural fixes and things of this nature. Um, one of the things that is going to be accessible, um, once again, we don't have any, you know, financial interest in this piece of things. But the way that we view Eat Form Health is a proactive view of your health overall. And so I'll give you an example um, of how I will use it. And maybe that'll give you a little bit of understanding. So um, for those that don't know, I am on um, HRT, the male version, right? Um, uh, take testosterone injections. Um, you know, I know for a lot of people that are, you know, a lot of women might be using something like pellets or, or things of this nature. Pellets are fine. Um, they're not the most optimal. And I know not everybody's dying to, you know, self-inject, but um, it is better if you take it more and more often. Right. And so uh, that is how I take mine. I take, I, I self inject three times a uh, week. And like I said, it's really more of a proactive approach. But recently I've been dealing with more. Um, hold on, I just need to mute somebody. 
Um, recently, I've been dealing with more of uh, nagging injury types of things. And there is a peptide called BPC-157 that is very interesting. A lot of people are using. Uh, I know for a lot of us that are athletic and stay active, you know, we'll get like a nagging something or other that just struggles to heal. And so BPC-157 is something that allows it your body to heal. It's actually a peptide that is naturally produced within your body. Um, and it's related to gut health typically, right? And so when they created the compound outside of the gut, what they found was if, you know, there's some anecdotal evidence that if you um, inject it near the site of the injury, that might be slightly better. Um, but it's also, by the way, good for um, gut health, right? And so as we age, you know, we get a little bit more sensitive to spices and, and things of this nature. Our stomach gets sensitive. Um, taking BPC-157 can help with that, right? And so um, I'm really excited. I think, you know, uh, there is kind of this mystery to hormone replacement in general that we're sort of hoping to um, kind of get away from, right? So that, that people have more information related to it. And so, uh, yeah, it's a really exciting piece because to me, you know, especially dealing with aging chronic dieters, right? There's just natural deficiencies that happen as you go, right? And so, Really excited about that piece. Uh, I think I mentioned it. The the cost uh, is is going to be two hundred for six months. The reason why it is expensive is because of the panel, because of the the um, the uh, consultation, but also the the customized coaching related to whatever you're ultimately going to choose as a as a piece of your health right and so you know we you know depending on what you're using you know we can extend you know fat loss cycles things of that nature um for lifers uh there will be a 25 percent off um uh you know uh discount um, similar to what we do with Eat Perform Kitchen. So that's a thank you to all of you guys for supporting us for all of these years. And so, yeah, the um, so let's get into bodybuilding. And specifically, actually, we can talk about how Eat Perform Health um, might be able to help in that quest a little bit, right? So uh, very common for men as an example, to be under 10 for free testosterone. So there's there's free testosterone and there's total testosterone. And you sort of want them both to uh, be a little bit higher or at least in the normal range. Um, and as we age, you know, for men, very common to be under 10, even under five. Uh, one of the things that you know, we've seen in the past is that um, people that chronically use alcohol, um, especially men, they'll 
free testosterone, it really kills both total and free testosterone. And so uh, if there's any one thing that does kind of wake up someone to kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know about chronic, but even moderate use of alcohol, you know, for men, you know, if you're literally taking their manhood, they go, you know what, maybe, maybe this beer is not as valuable as I thought it would be. So that's kind of interesting. Um, women, as an example, can be close to zero, you know, especially as you get through menopause or, or perimenopause. And uh, it can be helpful. Women don't need a lot of testosterone to build and hold on to muscle. And so usually when women do get pellets or, or something of this nature, they're not the same dose as as men are. Sometimes it is. Um, it just really depends on the individual. But, um, you know, rarely, you know, I mean, obviously we've all seen uh, testosterone abuse for women within bodybuilding. And then, you know, there's a look that, that you know, tends to be a little bit more manly. I think, you know, women in general are a little sensitive to that. Um, and people will often, you know, wrongly, you know, refer to any woman that, you know, has big quads or, or something of this nature as kind of a manly look. Um, usually that manifests itself from people that are insecure about themselves, right? Um, I will say, you know, I have um, talked about this in the past, you know, I know for myself, you know, when I would see fit people um, when I was unfit, um, I did not appreciate fit people the way that I do now, because I understand what it takes to be committed for life. And so um, I think a lot of it's related to kind of insecurity, a little bit of jealousy, uh, things of that nature. But the case that I'm going to be making for uh, bodybuilding, or at least the way that, that I view it, is really more anti-aging, more long-term view, uh, making sure that we have an understanding of what we're doing. Because I think a lot of people look at something like a CrossFit, right, as an example, and they go, well, look at those CrossFit Games athletes. And man, those, those people sure are fit. And they are fit, but uh, most of their muscle building did not necessarily come via uh, CrossFit, right? Um, in fact, any, any CrossFit training right now that is sending someone to the games has some bodybuilding mixed in, you know? Because if you don't stimulate the muscle a certain way, you won't retain muscle. And, and that's a really important piece as it relates to, you know, um, strength overall, having a muscle that can handle oxygen, things of this nature. And so you can't just, this was actually common within CrossFit in the early days, right? Where you would have people that were really good at wads, 
and they were 100, you know, 160 pound men. And they just couldn't get to that strength threshold because they weren't bodybuilding. Um, and, and, you know, some people genetically are meant to be 160 and struggle to get to 190 or 200. Uh, you know, one of the arguments I've always made related to CrossFit is as it relates to kind of the, um, you know, and this is, this is not criticism. It just kind of is what it is, right? is the sport is geared towards a certain body weight and so and a certain height right so if you're you know 510 200 as a man you know you're you probably have a real good shot at being very competitive at crossfit if you're 64 um and 225 it's going to be a little bit more difficult there are examples of those people that do crossfit right um one good friend of mine tim paulson you know is a bigger guy right um and he makes it to the crossfit games virtually every year you know but historically you know he's kind of the 25 to 40 uh you know place you know as it relates and you know every now and again he'll creep up into the 15 and so you know um my personal belief this is just my bias a little bit that um a lot of the the crossfit games programming is actually geared to the women um because there is a certain amount of i want to say marketing involved in that sport that if you look at you know, Annie Thor's daughter would be a little bit of an outlier where she's a little bit taller, doesn't necessarily fit in that 130 pound group. Other than that, you know, you've got Camille, you know, um, Tia Claire Toomey, um, you know, a lot of athletes that fit that 130, you know, 5'6 to 5'7 range. And, um, and so, you know, when we look at bodybuilding in general, or we look at, you know, how someone gets good at high intensity training, you know, usually there is a body type that is better for that, right? And so when we look at bodybuilding in general, um, you can use, and I do use body weight training quite a bit. You know, I talked about it in the other podcast. Um, it won't take long to review, but most of what I do is slow and controlled. You know, so like, you know, uh, probably my, I mean, I really only have like five or six uh, exercises that I do relatively regularly for lower body stuff. Um I do lunges and uh, split squats, right? Just for quad development. And for um, upper body, you know, I'm heavy on um, dips. I'm heavy on uh, strict push-ups and I'm heavy on strict pull-ups. And you go, well, why strict? Um, well, because it activates the most muscle possible so that you can get the best result, right? And then you go, well, 
all right, but what's the level of intensity? As low as possible, as long as possible, right? So it's very common for me to be working throughout the day and then just bang out five to seven, you know, strict pull-ups, right? And then come back 15 minutes later and do another five to seven strict pull-ups. You go, well, why would you do it that way? Well, you don't want to be dealing with so much muscle fatigue that you can't get to three, right? And so it allows the muscle to recover and you can just do more work, you know? Um, and so when we look at, you know, like high intensity protocols and things of this nature, and there's, you know, it's not, look, you're in the anabolic range. So there is potential that, I would argue that you're not really, you know, this is kind of a whole other discussion and I, I don't really want to get super into that because it's like kind of six and one half thousand at the other, but like the original high intensity, which is Tabata training was really the highest intensity possible. Right. And, um, when we look at the highest intensity possible, Tabata training originally was 15 seconds on. And then, you know, um, I believe it was five to 10 seconds off. And you were really trying to go out and exhaust yourself as much as possible. Now, that would keep you in the anabolic range. I would argue that most of what, you know, most CrossFit, you know, is actually in the long endurance range. So you're not necessarily going to be anabolic, right? Because if you're doing wads at 15 to 20 minutes, right? And so why are they doing 15 to 20 minutes? Well, it's because that's what people want. You know, they have an hour to work out before they get to go to work or after work is done and they want to get in and get out. And so you can get in a lot of volume in a very short period of time. And once again, I'm not suggesting that you never do something like CrossFit or you never do something like it. But if you're going to do those things and you aren't adding in some layer of bodybuilding in that process, you're really missing out on what true physique workouts look like. Even in dieting, so I, I mentioned that I would talk about this and and it feels like I'm being negative, you know, to some people, I would suppose, about CrossFit. I'm just, like, stating things that are factual, right? Um, like, I'm about to state things that are factual related to bodybuilding right now. The simple fact of uh, bodybuilding is that, you know, when we look at natural bodybuilding or the temptation to move to something with a little bit more help, meaning, you know, steroids or or even like hormone replacement, um, a lot of that comes from chronically dieting, right? And so when we look at why, you know, well, I guess I should back up for a second. The massive behemoth type guys don't get that way through TRT, right? That is large amounts of steroids that are, are happening. And and that is, you know, kind of that layer of things. Um, the only way to really build significant muscle 
and this is something that I went over. If you didn't get a chance, definitely go back and listen to the previous podcast. But if you're on HRT, the majority of the time, you are going to want that to be fed, right? Because it makes it makes the hormones more useful. Um, and so when you don't, when you're chronically in a diet, like many bodybuilders are, they have to take more and more, you know, of the hormones to just kind of stay to kind of a, a medium place. And so uh, that's something that we want to make sure that people understand, especially as they move into Eat Health, that if you're doing it from a hormone standpoint, you really should be in PR, right? And um, if you're doing it from a, a dieting standpoint or something of that nature, well, at that point, you know, you know, you can talk to your physician if that's what you decide at that point. Um, you, I don't know that I mentioned that there is a referral network that you will have access to um, if you decide that you want to address some of the deficiencies with things that aren't. Um, just supplements, right? And like I said, that's not something that we have, you know, really any connection with other than the fact that, you know, we are partnering with people that that give you access to that. But um, when you decide to make a change like that, you will have to let us know because it's not HIPAA compliant as an example for a doctor to let us know what you're on or not on right and so if as an example you decide to do hrt and you're immediate in a deficit it should be known that you know you're likely going to have to increase your dose um if you're in a deficit too long so usually the way that we do it six to eight weeks um, you're going to be fine. But usually, well, the one thing that I definitely, you know, have really been talking to the coaches a lot and what a lot of you will see is that in a deficit, right, really looking at, you know, HRT not being a huge factor, right? In PR, HRT will be a huge factor. Right. And so you want your HRT to be fed. And the reason why you want it to be fed and you want to be doing some level of resistance training is because you aren't using the hormones the right way if you aren't kind of exhausting the muscle via resistance training so that you're tearing it down to build back up. Many of you who haven't you know, uh, who maybe have a suspicion that, that you are hormone deficient. When you don't have any testosterone, basically the best you can do is just keep the muscle you have, right? But think about how many people who aren't aware of how hormones work that are out there trying to kill themselves on a treadmill, right? that first of all is not going to be the best stimulus for keeping and building more muscle, but, but even without that, you're just not going to be able to hold on to muscle without some testosterone in your body, right? And so 
that's where I think, you know, we're addressing kind of a hole that really had never been addressed before. And really, you know, is is sort of out of the domain of most diet companies. The good news is we don't view ourselves as a dieting company. We view ourselves as a not dieting company, right? And so um, when we look at bodybuilders, physique athletes, when you listen to their bigger message, what you often hear is a lot of chronic dieting, right? And, you know, the temptation, I remember a friend of mine who was a natural bodybuilder and, you know, he no longer is a natural bodybuilder. He's now, you know, moved on to the, the, the other stuff. Um, who was like, you know, it feels like in a bulk, I look like the Hulk. And then when I cut down, I look like I lose all my gains pretty much that's kind of exactly what happens, right? Um, you know, I think that when you're a man specifically in bodybuilding, I think it's the best example to talk about men, even though this also fits for women. Um, you just, you can't be on stage as a natural bodybuilder or be at the gym with a natural bodybuilder and not go, wow, that person has a significant advantage on me. Right. And, and so, so as we pursue those kinds of goals, now, what is my personal opinion on bodybuilding? I don't suggest like, for instance, we don't really work with bodybuilders. We don't really work with physique athletes. And we actually discourage them from working with us because I know that the tendency is chronic dieting. I remember recently, this was probably within the last, I don't know, year, maybe year and a half, where we had a, a bodybuilder um, or physique athlete. and you know, just, <laughs> it was really funny how it kind of went down um, because, you know, I explained to her, you know, this was somebody that I knew fairly well and uh, had a relationship with through the early parts of each perform and was explaining to her, yeah, I'm not really interested because, you know, I know that you're going to ultimately default to dieting, you know, as being the answer. And I was like, it's just a fundamental difference in the way that we view what bodybuilding actually is. I view bodybuilding not as this thing when people go on stage and, and you know, flex and get judged and deal with the judgment of all that kind of stuff and the psychological effects of how someone views your body, you know, that is separate of you, right? And uh, within, I want to say six months, she had moved to powerlifting. And um, the interesting thing about powerlifting, you would go, well, you know, what is, isn't that what you would want, Paul? Like, wouldn't you want that person to want to be stronger? So 
the bodybuilding thing is cute because bodybuilding has weight specific right uh layers to it and so what happens with bodybuilders and physique athletes that become uh uh powerlifting athletes they use the 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 weight tiers as leverage against themselves to once again go back to dieting right and so so it's like a sneaky back door for people that don't want to be judged anymore which is probably a good thing for their health but you know they also sneakily do want to diet more often and uh so she kind of found like a backdoor way to kind of do it and ultimately um did move on because you know we can't just constantly have these conversations where people want to to diet every two months and you know we know that that's not the bigger picture and so that's why we thought this would be a good topic for lifetime users because i think for many of you you have to understand the psychological things that you're choosing maybe unknowingly i don't i don't know that she was consciously going i'm going to powerlifting so i can diet right um but that's exactly what she's done we've seen that with many people um and you know, once again you just have to be careful that you aren't cuddling up to that piece of things but if you're you know a man you know that's 40 plus if you're a woman 40 40 to 50 and you don't have some resistance training built in to your programming at that point other than just high intensity or whatever you're 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 literally shortening your life right you're literally um opening yourself up to more injury i'm actually I don't know if it's fortunate but you know having so my wife is the youngest of nine and um she has a sister so my wife is uh 53 um I mean you wouldn't know um she looks 29 right um I have to say that as a qualifier um <laughs> I mean not jokingly um I look very different than when I was 20 years old. My wife literally when people see her and haven't seen her for a while, they other than the gray hair, there's really no difference. Um and one of the things that's interesting about my wife that we've never had to work through or think about or whatever, she's just not even remotely tempted by chronic dieting. She she you know values joy right she values you know a good meal she values um time with friends um things of this nature and for a long time she did not have the activity piece similar to me and uh once she did i mean i could just see it in her body you know i mean um <laughs> i know i know you women don't necessarily love this compliment but like i can't tell you how many times i've gone up to her and like oh my god your back is amazing <laughs> you know 
Um, I just think that, uh, you know, a lot of the times you just don't see your back, right? And so knowing that you, and then, you know, back, I mean, you can get abs as a skinny person, you know, back you have to put in the work for, you know, so um, it's kind of interesting in that regard. But um, no, I think that um, when we look at being well-fed, when we look at, you know, what is the bigger picture, you know, I've had a lot of exposure through my wife's family of what death looks like, right? And what you see are a lot of people that don't do any kind of resistance training, don't even do like body weight, anything. And when they have a fall or something, it just starts the decline to to actual death, no joke, you know? Um, and I don't know, I mean, I have to think that, you know, just viewing the aches and pains that I deal with as a 54 year old man, it's gotta be difficult to wake up and be 75 and want to do lunges or want to do push-ups or pull-ups or weight training or, or anything like this. Um, but it's gonna be so much more important as we all start to live a little bit longer. Part of the reason why we're all living longer is because we're all taking medication or many of us are taking medication that um, extend our life cycle, but don't necessarily um, allow us to have muscle, keep muscle, things of this nature. Everything within health right now is more reactive, right? And I think that within the next, hopefully within the next five to 10 years, what you're going to see is a movement much closer towards, um, you know, keeping muscle, um, making sure that you're doing resistance training, not so that you look great on the beach, so that you can live to 90 and live a productive life. I was watching this um, guy on CNN and he was an oncologist, right? So um, he deals with a lot of cancer patients and things of this nature. And the discussion that he had was um, related to quality of life. And what he said was at 75, he was no longer going to get colonoscopies. He was no longer going to be treated like if he had gotten cancer, he would just basically, you know, let nature do its thing. Um, he did kind of open up the window a little bit. But what he was basically saying is, is that 75, after 75, your quality of life just goes down so much that you probably just, let better off letting nature do its thing now that said nature is doing its thing and what he's seeing in hundreds if not thousands of clients are people that aren't doing resistance training that aren't holding on to muscle that aren't doing these proper things so after 75 they become weak so you know when we look at the 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 generation that, like my daughters, as an example, are projected to live to be 100. 
And so that generation, you know, hopefully is going to get religion on the fact that they need to keep the muscle that they have. Otherwise, no matter what medications that they take, they're not going to be, you know, healthy as they get older in life. And frankly, the internet's not helping a lot in this regard. It does help in this one way. If you look at Instagram or TikTok, there is value towards weightlifting, right? It, you know, you can film weightlifting within a 60 second um, type window. So that's a good thing. But in terms of the dieting piece, oh my God, you know, like, you know, the internet's horrible. You know, almost everything is deficit related, not eating enough to hold on to muscle. And that's problematic. And that's something that you all are learning about. And hopefully we can start to, to make a impression on some of those people as we go. But frankly, I don't think we are or will. Um, because, you know, I've said this before, I'll say it again, we're no one's first diet, you know. Um, and and every time we've put initiatives out there to try and get to that place, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you're more, I would say, more inclined to overconsume or or you know there's little parenting happening right and so now all of a sudden you know you have all this freedom and you know taco bell becomes an option much more often than probably would make sense for a lot of people and so when you're 20s 30s um, right around the 40s is when everybody starts to look at things a little bit more. And at that point, you know, we're, you know, we're looking at the wrong side of things. Now, you know, at 40, in the 40s and 50s, we're trying to teach people the, the perils of chronic dieting. And so that, that ends up being one of these things that, you know, Frankly, you kind of wish you were able to have more conversations early on, and we'll see. You know, the maybe the tide changes on that, but I don't. I don't think so. I think that you know, with the you know everybody getting their diet advice from from groups and and uh, Reddit, you know, um, you, you know, there's way more emphasis on a lot of styles of eating that don't hold on to muscle. And um, some of it's deficit related. Some of it is this negativity towards insulin. There is a basic misunderstanding related to insulin um, that has been perpetuated over the last 10 years that, you know, even the people that seemingly are knowledgeable about it are novices in a lot of ways because anybody that says, that something like insulin is a storage hormone is basically using your psychology against you, right? Insulin is a building hormone. You cannot build muscle without insulin and without testosterone, right? And so as we move towards these protocols that give you less and less testosterone, right? 
Um, and then less and less insulin, all you're basically doing is keeping your muscle down. It's always interesting to me to see a lot of the, so there's kind of two groups within the keto people, right? Um, and, and I'm not gonna get too in depth with this, but there's like the natural, you know, 150 to 160 pound guys that are talking about bodybuilding. It's like, okay, but you only weigh 150, like what are you building, right? And they, they look lean, but they're really small, right? Then there's the other group, right? That are literally on everything possible that are, um, and, they, and they, they, they take insulin so that they can, you know, um, potentially hold on to the muscle that they have along with like the cocktails of, uh, uh, that they take for, to, to bodybuild. And it's just like this chemical nightmare for those people. And naturally everything is pointing towards growth. So they tend to be some of the biggest advocates for, um, low carb way of eating. Why? Because when you keep insulin low, right? The, and you can keep insulin low because you have, you're taking all this stuff, you know, then it sets up these parameters that's just not healthy for a lot of people. And a lot of people follow those people and they get the information from them. Even in the case of the women that are arguing towards clean eating or low carb or something of this nature, many of them are taking things that allow for that lifestyle to be kind of part of their protocol. So kind of keep that in mind as you're listening to um, other voices out there. Cause we know of course that, you know, we aren't the only voice you're listening to. All right, so let's get into the Q and A and kind of walk through that piece. Okay, I think we just have a couple questions in here. Becky was able to answer some. Um, we have a client ask, um, saying, I do CrossFit four to five days a week. What additional weightlifting should I be doing? Um, and she asked about the gains train template. Uh, Becky explained how that works, which is, by the way, one of my favorites. I do gains train all the time. Yeah. So, so the best way to do, <laughs> so this is, this is a classic CrossFit mentality. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, also, had this mentality for a long time um it's hard to break through that that more and harder is the better way to do it right so the first answer is is four to five days of crossfit don't be thinking of in addition to what you can do think of what you can subtract right and what you can replace with a better way of doing things and so, um, and oh, by the way, what I'm about to describe is not going to be optimal, right? Um, it's just going to be a better way of doing what you're doing right now. And, you know, part of the, the thing with CrossFit is that, you know, it's nice to be able to do it with 15 of your friends, right? And you're all sitting there and 
you know, at the end of the, the workout, you all flopped down on the ground and in a pool of sweat and you all did it together. That is amazing from a community standpoint. And it's certainly healthy, just to be clear, you know, uh, CrossFit is healthy. You know, um, the criticisms of CrossFit, you'll never see me being one of them. But as you start to do CrossFit more and more, what you start to realize is that you're going to get to a certain size and it's going to be difficult to build muscle if you don't replace some of those, those four or five days with two to three days of, of um, muscle building. And so kind of keep that in mind that, you know, being off in the corner, doing your sets and reps isn't going to be near as fun, you know, and, uh, but you really do almost have to. I mean, is it better to do CrossFit than to do nothing? Absolutely, right? But if your goal is to build lean muscle, you, you know, I'll give you an example. There are CrossFitters that will go from, I would say, you know, you get beat up quite a bit, you know, in games training. And so I know of at least a few people that will go for two to three months at just work on bodybuilding at that point. And um, they tend to have a little bit more of a long endurance piece. Remember, being a CrossFit Games athlete is a very lonely experience, right? You, you don't tend to have, you know, a number of people doing the same thing. Now, you know, you are seeing these, these, you know, clusters of athletes that are working together that have a similar mindset. And, and I think that that is helpful for those people because, you know, just there's going to be a point. I mean, we have, we have an athlete at the gym that I worked at, you know, and I mean, if the wide was 20 minutes for everybody else, you know, he would finish in nine. You know, that's a lonely experience, you know. Um, and so trying to be around people that are more like you. But the answer is not to add, it's to subtract, right? And to um, make sure that, you know, you are kind of using more of a hybrid way of doing things. So, you know, you kind of have to dance a little bit um, so, like, for instance, if you had a wad that is, you know, I don't know, quad heavy um, and you want to do, uh, you know, workouts that are muscle building and your cycle for muscle building, let's say, gain strain, um, really more uh, lower body, don't do that one. You know, focus a little bit more on upper body. That way you're not overtraining that part of your body. So you have to, especially when you're doing CrossFit, you have to adjust, right, to the, the parts of your body that are the least fatigued so that you can build. And then, you know, when you have mostly upper body, you know, CrossFit workout, those are the days to build in the high volume. Um, I mean... The one thing that you'll never see at a CrossFit gym that is the, the most valuable thing to build quads um, is a leg extension, 
machine. And um, you look at anybody who uses a leg extension machine fairly regularly, and they have bigger quads than anybody that squats. Um, it's just a great way to get to exhaustion without being in peril, right? And so, um, so that's the answer, right? Is you're probably better off not looking at it from the standpoint of addition because addition is the thing that's actually kind of stopping your progress and not allowing for building, right? Remember the phases of CrossFit, you know, one of the reasons why many of these people stop CrossFitting um, is not money related or anything like this. It's just that they, the pounding on their body, you know, and the, 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 the tearing down and building up just gets really, you know, taxing over time. Right. And so they move on to what is probably a little bit more like a bodybuilding type of template with, you know, two to three days of high intensity work built in. Okay, I have a couple questions here for um, ETP Health. Uh, Casey's asking, what's the timing to launch ETP Health? Um, I do something similar and I am due for labs next month. Uh, Kylie's asking, where can I find more information on ETP Health? So we will be emailing that out, the, the turnaround on it. So we have to get through uh, lifetime next week. Um, so that um, we don't have kind of competing interests. And then the week after that is the tentative date for a soft rollout. Um, we will be emailing everyone. Uh, but I basically just told you what it is, right? It's, it's really labs, consultation, and then um, the customized coaching because you can just do more, right? With... Um, when you have the right hormones in place where you know you like i said you can use peptides or from a healing agent you know there's just a lot more options right um catherine is asking um how do i talk to my physician about testosterone for performance and health as a woman um, she did ask about uh, symptoms of low testosterone that Becky has answered here, but how do they talk to their physician about these needs? So the problem with physicians in general and why there is a need for e-perform health um, is, um, by the way, you know, this is not on the side of, I mean, there's probably a few supplements that you can take that would not necessarily require, you know, telemedicine. Um, but sexual health also will be something that can be addressed through through the network. Like I said, you know, these aren't things that you're necessarily going to need to put in your file. But um, you know, it it is helpful and it will allow you access to it. So specific to that, you know. Um, your doctor is probably not going to be super helpful as it relates to testosterone. Um, most people go to functional medicine. The problem with functional medicine is that even functional medicine people tend to promote 
low carb or dieting or clean eating or things of this nature, just assuming that you're just like pounding ice cream all the time, right? Um, that's not reality, right? Um, we just get to be more rigid as we go through things. And so um, if you go to your primary doctor, like I'll give you an example, um, the only way that a doctor will cover um, testosterone for a man, right, is if the man goes in every two to three weeks and the doctor shoots them up with like 200 cc's of testosterone. I'd probably have the, I, to be honest with you, I know what I take. Um, and, and it basically in the little syringe, it goes to 20. And then I use 23 times a week. Um, many people do use much more than that. One of the reasons why they use more than that is because they're constantly dieting, right? So I don't need near as much as, as other people do. Um, but if, as an example, you just take one shot, right? So like, think about that. So I'm, I'm taking 20. They're taking 10 times that all at once, right? So I can't even imagine what it's like to walk out of that doctor's office, you know, all amped up. Um, but then in terms of the way the have lives work, you know, um, it doesn't take long. So you go from 200 to 100, 150, 50 to 25, right? Within two to three weeks, sometimes a month, you know, you're back to close to zero. And, you know, you've missed out on a lot of the advantages that you would be better off taking it, you know, more gradually. I mean, I certainly have the option. I mean, would it be better? Like, as an example for me, would it be better? If I took um, uh, 10 instead of 26 times a week, yes, 100%, it would be better. Um, it's just not convenient to do that. You know, so there, ha there has to be an element of convenience. What I think you're going to find is if you talk to someone that, that takes pellets or whatever, um, they do not get it through their primary doctor. Um, they pay out of pocket, right? And this is why you know, there is a need for um, this kind of thing. By the way, um, this was not really an option. Um, this is actually one of the small benefits of COVID is that um, telemedicine did not exist, you know, in any real way, um, or it was really hard to put together, you know, something that would cover all 50 states. Um, this is something that um, because of COVID, telemedicine is available. And so more things that are men's clinic or, or, or women's clinic type of activities, now you can get this way. So I would be careful, you, but, but you're more likely to get what you need from a women's clinic or from a... Um, from uh, functional medicine, I just don't know that they're necessarily gonna put you on protocols that you're really gonna want, right? Um, to kind of get the response that you might need, right? And so 
I think a lot of people, when they go into a women's clinic or they go into, what's your problem? My problem is fat loss. Okay, then let's put you on a low carb diet. Let's put you on this, this, this. And they're, you know, I'll look at those medications and go, none of these are actually addressing the problem that you actually have, even with seeing your blood work, right? Um, and so th the way that a lot of those kinds of places interpret things isn't necessarily going to be the way that someone viewing, holding on to muscle, holding on to tendons, holding on to um, ligaments is going to view things, right? So you kind of got to keep that in mind that they're, they're not all equal, right? Um, and, and functional medicine, women's clinics, men's clinic, you know, men's clinic, they tend to do, they tend to be a little bit more, you know, they're going to give you testosterone. Typically, they're going to, get, you know, probably suggest some layer of um, sexual health. Um, mostly right now, the big thing is that some, uh, some philapidil or Viagra is helpful as it relates to heart attacks over time. Um, it's also favorable for muscle building. So, so, um, most men, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know how frankly I want to speak here, but, you know, you're going to experience some dysfunction. It might not be, you cannot get an erection, but there'll be at least some dysfunction that if you took it, you are noticeably better. And so men are definitely going to want to um, explore that side of things, or at least I know I was somebody that was probably resistant to it, um, probably got, got pushed onto it a little bit from the standpoint of it does help your bodybuilding just from the standpoint of having a healthy heart. Um, and if you take it in small doses, there's some, some evidence that that's favorable. Um, but it's hard to deny that the reason why I've stayed on it and why I do use it is just because, you know, let's be real, you feel more like a man, you know, um, and um, if I need to kind of expose that to to you guys so that you make better decisions, I don't mind that level of humility um, just because I think it's important for people to hear and that we say the quiet stuff out loud because there's way too many people that, you know, I talked about this in the last podcast. My sister-in-law was talking about the fact that she's absolutely certain that she has hormone issues, even though she's never had her hormones checked. So she has this mindset of she, you know, is the victim of hormones. And I'm like, you know, that that could easily be addressed, right? Um, and so kind of interesting from that standpoint. But how are we doing on questions? A few more in here. Karen is asking, I'm interested to know what labs are being are suggested for postmenopausal women with a goal of increasing um, lean mass. Yeah, so um, 
I do not have that specifically, um, but one of the reasons why the the panel is um, one of the more expensive to get is because you're literally testing everything. You're not just testing like a small subset, right? So it's it's a very broad um, thing um, in terms of what specifically, you know, um, I do not have that in front of me. Liz is asking um, a question in related to cardio. Uh, she's a power lifter and weight trained four days a week. I see my bone mass increasing. So strength is going um, in a great direction. What's a good amount of cardio for heart health? A few days of 15 minute conditioning with eight to 10,000 steps. Uh, is that sufficient? It can be. You know, there's some arguments for a little bit longer. You know, I know for a while there, you know, I was doing up to, you know, 5K twice a week, um, which, you know, uh, I wasn't necessarily really pushing it. So, um, it, you know, it might take me 30 minutes. It might take me up to 40 minutes, you know, if I'm adding in some some walking in the process. Um the interesting thing about cardio from that standpoint is that the healthier your heart is, the more sets and reps you can do. So therefore you can get stronger as a result of it. And so there's a lot of people in your position that are power lifters or bodybuilders that really avoid cardio and sort of miss out on the heart health piece. And also miss out on additional sets and reps. So I would say, you know, if you can, can, I mean, is that enough? It probably is enough, you know, especially if um, you're doing like some sprint work and things of this nature, what you really want to be able to do is kind of test the higher range and kind of the middle range. You don't necessarily always want to be, you know, at, in the fat burning zone, even though that doesn't necessarily mean fat burning. Um, you want to be kind of in that testing the higher heart rate so that you can then, you know, have more, you know, it's, it, you know, the way that I think of it is, is if you have a sports car, right, um, you don't necessarily want to just you know, use it up to third gear. You know, if it has six gears, you want to use all gears, right? So having some longer, having some sprint work will both add to that. The last one is from Catherine, a fellow Canadian, and she is asking, is ETP Health US only for now? Sadly, it is, and it likely will be forever. Um, we just don't, you know, I mean, other than Carolyn, you know, we just don't have a Canadian outpost. Um, and, you know, if there ends up being a version um, similar to what we're doing, my understanding from Carolyn, though, is that many of these blood tests and things of this nature are part of your national health care system. So, um I don't know where they lie in terms of testosterone or, or you know, 
um, estrogen, progesterone, all these different things that that you know could potentially be deficiencies. Um, but my understanding is that your national health care um, is actually pretty useful. Can you speak to that at all, Carolyn? Do you know if if they have any kind of you know proactive health in Canada? I, I can speak to it a, a small amount just because I've inquired for myself. And so um, you you can get basic blood work panels done here. And usually it is um, for a reason. So you need to have reason to get something done. When it comes to hormone testing, it kind of depends on your doctor um, because tests cost money. So it's paid for. There has to be reason for that. So I have inquired for myself and have talked about um, perimenopausal symptoms, um, describing everything, which is pretty much perimenopausal symptoms. And my doctor has said, well, we know it's perimenopausal. I can tell you by the symptoms, you know. Um, so if I wanted to explore more and if my symptoms were bad, um, I could ask them to get my hormones tested. Um, if you have other health issues, I do have some health issues where I do have to have blood work done frequently and, um, I can get things covered like vitamin D for instance is covered for me to check where the average person may have to pay for that. Um, in addition to the regular blood work here in Canada. So, so, so it sounds really similar. I think what you're going to find, like for instance, when I wanted to get my testosterone um, checked, um, my doctor was very resistant because she knew exactly what I wanted to look into, right? And so she made the leap to, well, I don't want to be shooting you up with testosterone. And I was like, well, that's not what I was really asking you in the first place. And so that's why I sort of had to go behind her back and go through a men's clinic to do it, which, you know, is awful. You know, um, you know they'll give you no problems putting you on statins putting you on blood pressure medication all these different things but the minute you want to do something proactive related to your health you know it sounds like even in canada they're going to give you a certain amount of heat for it because there's a cost to it and um the other thing is is that you know a lot of people won't pay out of pocket uh, for things. And so they rather, you know, they end up suffering as a result of that because insurance won't cover it or they end up taking something that's not as good, right? Um, like I mentioned with men getting shot up with 200 instead of 20, 10 times. Um, and, you know, it ends up being kind of this net negative, right? Where, you know, you're full of energy and full of testosterone for like a week. And then once that that's done, then you're still dealing with symptoms. And so um, the reality is, is that, you know, the thing that attracted me specifically to our partners related to this is just they know what they're doing. Right. And um, I think that you know, if you're getting it from your chiropractor or functional medicine or something of this nature, they're not going to always know what they're doing. Um, and often they're going to treat you, you know, they're not viewing things from the standpoint of eating in abundance most of the time and then eating in a deficit 
occasionally, right? They're thinking from the standpoint of eating in a deficit the rest of the time. And then we know that your hormones are going to be less. So let's just pump you full of hormones and thyroid medication and things of this nature, right? Whereas you can offset some of those symptoms by eating more most of the time. And that's the thing that is most exciting to me, right? Is that, you know, I remember one time where we were talking about nutrient profile and, uh, you know, this was back in uh, Mike Nelson days, right? Where, um, you know, one of my, you know, my right-hand person at that point was a gentleman by the name of Mike Nelson. Um, and the current person that is Mike Nelson is Susan Kleiner, right? And Susan Kleiner and Mike Nelson are friends. And, um, but Mike talked about uh, a lot about when you have adequate calories, you almost never deal with any nutrient deficiencies. He's like, even if you were eating McDonald's for 3000 calories, you just naturally are going to be able to get more nutrients in a way that allows you. Now, he wasn't recommending McDonald's, right? But he's saying is as you are smarter about eating more, you're just naturally going to be addressing some of these things and specifically fat, right? So we know that hormone profile has a direct relationship to fat. And so when we look at, you know, whether it's low fat, high fat, um, you know, when you're eating an adequate amount of food, you do not have to choose, right? And so uh, that's where your hormone profile can be at its healthiest. All right. I feel like we did this. Were there any additional questions that came in or? Uh, Kelly was just commenting in here. I get pellets for. Uh, every four months, $300 out of pocket includes labs. Best money spent. However, men go there and get pellets and theirs is covered by insurance. So it's not fair. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Um, what I can tell you from a man's standpoint is pellets aren't as good as injectables. Um, and so my suspicion is that maybe the, the guys um, and pellets, you know, uh, look, you know, I think Becky does pellets. Um, and um, is it better than nothing? Yes. You know, is it optimal, optimal? No. You know, um, and so, you know, a lot of it really does come down to convenience, right? Um, I'll tell you, like, so I take HCG, which the reason why you take HCG as a man is because when you take testosterone, um, it does affect your um, testicles production and size, right? And so um, if you take HCG, it will offset that. So you take HCG into the fat in your stomach. That is the best shot I take all week. Right, I, I actually take it twice. Um, it's easy; uh, doesn't hurt. You know, testosterone is is thick and oily, um, and so when you load it into the syringe, uh, it takes a while and it takes multiple times to get to the the effective dose. 
And then it also takes a lot of the time to get it into the muscle, right? And, um, and it often hurts more because you're going into a muscle rather than going into your fat, right? And so, um, so a lot of people will, will go, hey, you know, and I think doctors are letting people know, hey, look, you know, it is going to hurt to do this the most correct way. Um, so maybe there might be some value in compromising. I will say we won't have the ability to do pellets because, you know, there has to be someone to insert the pellet, you know. Um, so kind of keep that in mind. But I think that what you're going to see is that you're going to have a lot more options, right, as it relates to things that can complete your health profile. Like one of the things I just mentioned, you know, early on, you know, I don't think most people, I, I can tell you this, almost certainly, if you went to your primary doctor and said, hey, you know, what's this you're hearing about BPC-157? They haven't heard anything, and they're certainly not going to prescribe it for you, you know. And so, you know, it's really, it's really more of a reactive approach, you know, or proactive approach rather than reactive. And so that's what has me excited. And, uh, yeah, I think that um, I will say, like, addressing the previous question, you know, of what the panel certainly you know, in terms of, uh, I think she specifically mentioned muscle building, we will be checking testosterone, right? So um, kind of keep that in mind. Uh, all right, I appreciate everybody being here. Hopefully this was helpful. I know we did get into a lot of e-perform health, which is perfectly fine, but really the emphasis of this from a long-term standpoint was the bodybuilding piece and making sure that you're keeping that in the mix. I know sometimes bodybuilding isn't fun. Um, I, it's not fun for me, but if you want to live healthy, if you want to be able to hold on the muscle, even if you do cardio, right? Um, and running is something that's important to you. Um, you know, if you get injured, you can't run. And so you want to make sure that, you know, you're doing some resistance training. So we're keeping those ligaments strong. We're keeping those those tendons strong so that you can then um, go ahead and and stay doing the active things you do like running or say pickleball so appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later bye now